Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you once again for the great work of our Lord Jesus Christ, that upon his cross he finished the wrath of God for all those who trust in him, that he took upon himself our sins, our griefs, our sorrows, and for our sake was pierced. Our Lord and our God, we just ask that you would bless your word this evening and that you would bring this great truth to the heart of each and every person here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. We will be reading the first six verses and looking particularly at verses 4 through 6. The word of the Lord. Who has believed what they heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This evening, we come to one of the great texts concerning our Lord's atoning work. In it, we see the way in which he came as a servant and took upon himself our sins and received the very punishment that these deserved. In this text, we see that Christ was pierced for our transgressions. Our sins were punished upon his very person. And through the wounds that he received, we are healed. This is a glorious text because in it, we see the substitutionary work of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see his great work on the cross on our behalf. He suffered for our sins. And because of this great truth, we have received eternal salvation. The book of Isaiah was written by one man, Isaiah the prophet, who was inspired by God to write this book throughout the 7th and 8th centuries before Christ. In it we see a magnificent series of prophecies that the Lord gave him throughout his life and ministry. Chief among these, however, are those prophecies that are directly prophetic of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In the book of Isaiah, we are led to one of the most vivid pictures in the entire Old Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the redemption that he brings to his people. In this great book, we are led to a portrait of our Lord Jesus Christ as the servant of the Lord who suffers for the sins of the people of God. 
We read in chapter 42, as Isaiah receives the word of God concerning the servant of the Lord, Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. And this servant was revealed by the New Testament to be the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Matthew 12, verses 15 onward, the same passage quoted as Matthew understands Jesus to be the same servant of the Lord prophesied by Isaiah. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there and many followed him and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. The Lord Jesus is this servant of the Lord, prophesied by Isaiah, who brings justice to the nations and demonstrates the compassion and mercy of God for his people. And thus, when we come to chapter 53 of the book of Isaiah, we read, Who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. The servant of the Lord is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, one who was despised. And here we begin to see most clearly the work of the servant of the Lord. He was not received by men, honored by them, but he was rejected. He was not called to be one who was immediately loved and desired by men, but he was called to be despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. And this passage is a clear prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And thus we come to our passage this evening in verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. In this verse, we see the great truth that the Lord Jesus Christ has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He has borne both our sins and every form of suffering that accompanies our sins. He has taken upon himself our sins and suffered the penalty that they deserve so that we who trust in him might never fear the wrath of God. So this is the great first point of this text. Jesus has borne our sufferings by being smitten by God. In the incarnation, God the Son took upon himself the full weight of human life in this fallen world, 
save that he alone among men was without sin. All of the griefs, difficulties, and sorrows that are common to men due to the sinfulness of men, he has borne. And as the Redeemer, he took the griefs and sorrows that were ours upon himself so that the consequences of sin might be forever removed from his people. We read in Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 18, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." The Lord Jesus has partaken fully of our humanity. He has partaken fully of our human nature. And for that reason, he is able to fully bear our griefs and our sorrows. He was completely without sin. And so he was alone able to take upon himself all of our griefs and sorrows. Now this word that is translate griefs in the Hebrew, is the Hebrew word chali and can be translated as illness or sickness. And we see that Matthew, the gospel writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, recognized the significance of this in the work of Christ Jesus in his healing ministry. We read in Matthew 8, verses 16 and 17, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all those who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. The Lord Jesus in his ministry on earth drove out demons and healed the sick. He removed the griefs and sorrows and illnesses of his people through his healing power. The Lord Jesus has come to dwell among his people, partaking of their griefs and sorrows. But the greater and more pointed aspect of this verse is that Christ took upon himself the grief and sorrow that our sins deserved by taking the wrath of God upon himself for them. In other words, he bore our sins upon himself as our substitute so that we might not receive the wrath of God. He received that wrath. He received that grief and that sorrow. He took it all upon himself so that all who trust in him might never fear the wrath of God again. And this verse teaches us that Christ was the substitute for the people of God. And thus we read in the latter phrase of this verse, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Although he has borne our griefs and sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. There is almost an attitude of astonishment 
as Isaiah looks at the Christ and sees him smitten by God. What is going on here? And the answer is that what is going on here is that Christ was bearing our sins. He bore our sins and our sorrows and our pains by being stricken by God, by being afflicted. It was in the suffering that he endured from the hand of God that he was able to bear our griefs and sorrows. This verse parallels verse 3 where we read, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And what we see here is that there is a great truth about what the servant of the Lord is doing and who he is that is hidden from the eyes of men. It is seen only through the revelation of God. Human eyes could not see what was really, really going on as the servant suffers. All that men could see was someone whom they despised, whom they derided, whom they rejected, someone who was suffering. Yet that very derision, that very suffering, was endured for the sins of men. As we saw in verse 1 of this passage, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The work of Christ is something that no one can understand apart from the revelation of God. You know, the physical sufferings of Christ were not the full picture of what he endured and not the full picture of what was going on. He was not simply being physically in pain, physically wounded. He was spiritually suffering the wrath of God for the sins of God's people. And this is something that is not seen with human eyes. It is not something that is heard with human ears. It is something that is seen only with the revelation of God. Christ's suffering was not merely common human suffering. It was suffering for the sins of men. And there is in these phrases the imagery of blows being struck, being smitten or stricken. It's the idea of being hit. And the astonishing thing here is not that it is men who are striking him. It is that he was struck by God. And the question that obviously arises is how is it that the servant of the Lord is the same one who was struck by God? Why did God strike him? And that question is answered in verse 5 where we read, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. The Lord Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Why did he suffer? Why was he smitten by God? Why was he afflicted? He was struck by God for our sins. In our place. As our substitute. On our behalf. He was punished with the very wrath of God for the sins of believers. And this is the second great point of this text. Christ was punished for our sins. And through his suffering, we receive salvation. Jesus received the punishment for the sin of every believer who has ever lived. 
All sin deserves punishment. Every transgression deserves the judgment of God. Every transgression of God's law is an offense against His holy character and as such deserves His wrath. And Jesus Christ endured that judgment so that all who trust in Him would never have to Do you realize that if you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, you need never fear the wrath of God again at all? This is the great and glorious truth. Jesus Christ has already experienced the wrath of God in full for you upon the cross. If you trust in Christ, you need never fear the wrath of God. Now look at what he has said here. He was pierced for our transgressions. Throughout the text of Scripture, we see this theme that the Messiah was the one who was to be pierced. As we read in Psalm 22, verse 16, David, prophesying of the Lord Jesus, wrote, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. And we see this fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross as his hands and feet were pierced as they nailed him into the wood. And we see in Zechariah 12, verse 10, the Lord saying, And I will pour out upon the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. He was pierced. And the prophet Isaiah, writing some 700 years before our Lord Jesus Christ, prophesied of the manner of Christ's suffering for his people. We read in John chapter 19, verses 34 through 37, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, And at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth. That you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again another scripture says. They will look on him whom they have pierced. When the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross. He did so to suffer the punishment for the sins of his people. And as he hung upon the cross, our Lord Jesus was pierced in his side with a spear. He was stabbed and his body was pierced in accordance with the words of the prophet Isaiah. And once again, why is he pierced? For our transgressions. Our sins are violations of the law of God. And every transgression deserves the ultimate punishment. And this is why he says in the very next phrase that he was crushed for our iniquities. We were the ones who deserved to be crushed. We were the ones who deserved to be destroyed. But Christ took upon himself the penalty for our sins so that he might be crushed instead of us. And as he was crushed for our iniquities... He destroyed the power of Satan. We read in Genesis 3.15, 
when God cursed Satan, the serpent, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Christ was crushed at the cross. But at the cross, through the power of God, the power of sin was defeated. The power of sin and of the devil was destroyed when Christ died for us. Christ was bruised and healed by being crushed for our iniquities. But by doing so, he crushed Satan's head and destroyed the power of the devil. He destroyed the power of sin and he destroyed the power of death. And truly we see this in the next phrase. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Upon him was the chastisement or correction that was necessary for sinners who were alienated from God. Sin has alienated us from God and has destroyed our relationship with him. In order for us to be restored into fellowship with God, there had to be a reckoning, a correction, and a chastisement. We had to endure the wrath of God in order for our sins to be removed. There was no way forward from our perspective. But thanks be to God, Christ endured this wrath so that we might not. Christ endured that chastisement that our sins deserved. The Lord Jesus took upon himself that punishment that the sins of believers had earned. And because he had taken upon himself that chastisement, that correction, we now have peace with God. We read in Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ Jesus, we have been reconciled to God and have been restored to fellowship with Him. Christ restores us to fellowship with God and heals us from the destructive power of Satan and of sin. He says in the next phrase, with his wounds we are healed. Or in the King James, by his stripes we are healed. And this is such a beautiful picture. Through the wounds of Christ we are healed. The very opposite of healing is to wound. And yet by Christ's wounds we are healed. Through his work of being wound, through his suffering for us, we are healed and made whole. Through the suffering of Christ, we are brought peace. Sin is destructive in its power. It alienates us from God, it destroys our souls, and it makes us dead in transgressions. It removes any spiritual power of acting in righteousness whatsoever. As we read in Ephesians 2, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. But Christ, through the suffering and wounding that he received in his cross, restored us from the destructive power of sin and made us whole. He took away the power of sin and made us alive together with him. As we read in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Through the work of Christ, we are restored and the power of sin is removed. In this verse, we see the great redemption that Christ has brought us from the devastating effects of sin. Every harmful effect that sin has, Christ has removed through his cross. Sin is transgression of the law of God. And for that, Christ was pierced such that we might no longer be lawbreakers, but considered law keepers with Christ's righteousness. Sin is iniquity. And for that, Christ was crushed so that we might be made pure and holy through him. Sin is alienation from God. And for that, Christ took upon himself the chastisement that we might be brought to peace with God. Every aspect of sin that indwells within us, Christ has removed and he has restored us. As the Apostle Peter says in his first epistle, quoting this passage, verses 24, excuse me, 2 verses 24 and 25, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Christ, through his suffering, has borne our sins and brought us salvation. Through his cross, the great shepherd has brought us home to peace with God. And this is what we see in verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And this is the third great point of this text. Through his suffering, our great shepherd has redeemed us from our wandering in wickedness. In our sin, we wandered away from the law of God. We have been led astray by our sins and our idols and our wickedness. The imagery that Isaiah uses is that of a sheep who absently wanders away from the shepherd. Consumed and devoured by our own lusts, we have wandered away from the Lord. And this wandering is not harmless. It is sinful rebellion. We desire to pursue our own ways rather than to follow the shepherd. And thus we have turned and rebelled against the Lord himself. And yet the Lord has given us mercy in Jesus Christ. God has laid upon Christ the iniquity of us all. The Father has laid upon the Lord Jesus the iniquity of all of God's people. And Christ has suffered and died for them. In this passage, we see the great shepherd taking upon himself the sins of his sheep. Just as he said in John 10 verses 14 and 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The Lord Jesus has laid down his life for his sheep. The Father has placed upon him the iniquity and sins 
of the people of God, and he has suffered for them. Every time that we have gone astray, every act of rebellion, every willful act of sin that we have ever committed, Christ took upon himself and suffered for. What a powerful truth. Christ has taken upon himself your sins, even the ones that you are thinking about, even the ones that you have yet to commit, he has taken upon himself and suffered for them all. The wording here is reminiscent of that of Leviticus, where Aaron would place the transgressions of all Israel upon the goat and send it into the wilderness. We read in Leviticus 16, verses 21 through 22, And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat, and send it away into the wilderness, by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free into the wilderness. The Lord Jesus, our great high priest, received upon himself all the iniquities of the people of God and all their transgressions and all their sins. And he was sent to the cross, bearing their sins, and he suffered for them as the wrath of God fell upon him. As we read in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And one of the great astonishing truths of this is that the Heavenly Father has placed our iniquities upon Him. It was the will of God to do this, to redeem us in Christ. It was a triune plan, a triune action that Christ would go to the cross and bear our sins. As we read in Peter's sermon at Pentecost in Acts 2, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. The Lord Jesus did not suffer merely because men did these things to him. He did it because he was called of his Father to undergo the suffering and punishment for his people. As we read in Philippians 2, our Lord Jesus demonstrated the greatest act of humility that has ever been seen in his submission to the will of the Father, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And as true as it is that our Lord Jesus has become the man of sorrows and has endured stripes that we might be healed, going to the shameful death of the cross, so also is it true that God has also highly exalted him and set him above the heavens. The suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ was not the end. As Peter also says in his sermon at Pentecost, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. 
being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is in Acts 2, verses 32 and 33. And then in 36, he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Having endured our sufferings and gone to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, the Lord Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, truly, physically, bodily, and has ascended into heaven and is now alive, seated at the right hand of God the Father, from which he makes intercession for his people as our great high priest. He is the author of salvation to all who call upon his name. This passage, these three verses, teach one great and glorious truth. The Lord Jesus has taken upon himself the sins of his people and suffered the wrath of God for them, such that they might never have to fear the wrath of God again. By his punishment, by his suffering, we are made clean, and all transgression is removed from us. Jesus Christ was substituted for the sins of his people. At the cross, God placed the sins of every believer upon the shoulders of our Lord Jesus Christ so that he suffered wrath in our stead. And rather, we receive the blessings, the eternal life, the fellowship with God, communion with the Holy Spirit, and the love of God the Father. We receive healing and peace with God. All the great blessings that this passage says that we receive, we receive because He has suffered for us. And if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I exhort you to look to Him today. Look to He who is the man of sorrows, who is acquainted with grief, who has taken upon Himself the punishment for your sins. Look to He who has borne our griefs and endured our sorrows. He who is crushed for our iniquities. Look to your great Savior who has suffered on your behalf. Do you struggle with sin? Look to the Lord Jesus and receive this great promise found in 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He has paid the price for your sins. Therefore, look to Him and find relief. But if you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have never trusted in Him for forgiveness of sins, you do not have the one who bore the wrath of God. You do not have the one who brings healing through His wounds. You do not have the one who has taken iniquities upon Himself and borne griefs and sorrows. There is nothing that stands between you and the wrath of God. So therefore, I exhort you this day, 
Look to the only Savior, Jesus Christ. Look to the only one who takes the wrath of God away from you. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to the Son. Look to He who has taken upon Himself the sins of men and trust in Him for your salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Therefore, I urge everyone present this evening to look to the great Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to He who has suffered for the sins of men, for by His stripes we are healed. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank You and we praise You again for our great Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You for His cross. We thank You for His suffering. We thank You that He took the wrath of God away from us such that we who trust in Him might never fear it. We thank You and we praise You again. In Jesus' name, Amen.